Hey, I'm Bob Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts and stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's seeing driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. Roll it. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present. And now, here's your host, DJ Bob. Disney Jr. is baking up something really sweet for you and really good for the entire family. Alice's Wonderland Bakery, a new reimagining of the classic Alice in Wonderland story. And today, we are joined by the executive producers of the show, Chelsea Bile and Frank Montagna, as well as the composer for the series, John Cavanaugh. Sit back and relax and enjoy some of the inside scoop behind this fantastic new series for preschoolers. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. It, it means a lot. Yeah, thanks for having us. So before we get started into the nitty gritty of it all, would you guys mind introducing yourself and the role you play within this fantastic show? Sure, I'm Chelsea Bile, and I'm the executive producer of Alice's Wonderland Bakery. And I'm Frank Montagna, and I'm the uh, co-executive producer and art director of the show. So you guys are, you guys are no strangers to the sort of magical, whimsical side of animation. Was it, like, what was the challenge in sort of adapting this iconic world, but making it new at the same time? I think some of the, the first challenge was, where do you start? What do you pull from first? Because when you watch the movie, there's just so many characters and so and I think they're all iconic. You have the Queen of Hearts, the Caterpillar, the Dodo, the Flowers, you know, the White Rabbit, the Mad Hatter, the March Hare, you know, all these are so iconic. So for, for us, when we were, you know, developing the show, it was finding who who's our core group with Alice. And that was then narrowing, you know, figuring out we have our White Rabbit, our Mad Hatter, and our Princess of Hearts as like our core group. And so, um, and then, you know, as the show goes on, we have so many characters that we can eventually meet. So it, it kind of felt natural to, to do it that way. And there's such a huge link to Broadway within the series. Like, tell me a bit about the, 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 for lack of a better term, star-studded voice cast you have. I mean, I think part of it had to deal with 
the pandemic and just, you know, having, we really wanted to support Broadway actors, right, Chelsea? I mean, that was, and Broadway actors are so amazing at animation because they get the theatricality of it. And uh, we were so lucky to have like Mandy Gonzalez and um, who else were some, James Monroe Englehart. James Monroe Englehart and uh, George Salazar plays Dad Hatter. And like Frank said, they just have that, they can really go big, you know, for animation. And uh, Mandy Gonzalez, who is Mother Rose, and a lot of our flowers, which if you remember from the the film, uh, are, you know, very musical. And so we wanted to bring that touch to the show. So we have Mandy Gonzalez, Ali Stroker, Christopher Fitzgerald, and James Monroe Iglehart as uh, flowers in the show. And they're all Broadway uh, performers, amazing singers. And so that was a really fun touch to bring to the show. And of, and of course, Eden. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Eden Espinosa as our queen of hearts. Our very extra queen of hearts. Yeah, just bringing that flair, that drama to, to the show. Can tell me about the recording process? Because I'm assuming a lot of it was remote. Yes, yes, a lot of our actors were film uh, recording from their closets, actually. <laughs> um, but it's even even now we still do it all on Zoom. Some of our actors can go into the recording studio now, um, and uh, but it's it's been it's been a pretty seamless process, even though it's been remote. Um, you know, we still see them. We can see their, their mannerisms. We've even recorded Eden and a few other actors to, to give to our animators to see their facial expressions. So that's been, uh, that was a really valuable, um, process. So to go back a little further, we're kind of jumping back and forth here, but like, so when you got the assignment to sort of adapt this, property what was that project like like who came to who and how did you go about doing that we were sort of brought together (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i was sort of helping with some of the visual development but i was working on another project and then um chelsea and i uh our network executives you know said oh you should read Chelsea's pitch and I did and it was awesome and I loved the way she incorporated the whimsy and the you know the curiosity of Wonderland in a, in a preschool world and with so much heart like um so that attracted me to the project and then when Chelsea and I got to work together I think she mentioned this that we one of the first things we did is we watched the original movie to, together um, with some of our other key creatives and uh, just tried to really break it down and see like what what elements of the film could translate to preschool because you know the original film is is amazing and it's it's such a it's so iconic but there's elements of it that are a little, a little bit you know scary for for uh, a preschool audience so we went in and, and really just tried to uh, pick the most quote, you know, wonderful <laughs> aspects. Yeah, and when I first pitched the show um, with uh, our development team, Alyssa Sapphire and Lauren Martinez, um, you know, they they brought this idea of Alice in Wonderland plus bakery and baking. And so that was kind of like my mission. How do we incorporate 
incorporate those two things. And so um, that was a big challenge, but finding what it, you have all this whimsy and curiosity, like Frank said, and then finding the heart, which is food, which is, you know, Alice discovering this power of food, you know, it can be the center of a holiday tradition. It, it really brings friends together. So that was what, how the kind of the heart of the, the themes of the show came together. So what is it, what is it? What is either of your favorite dish, favorite dessert? In real life or on the show? <laughs> well, they could they could go either way, I would think. <laughs> some of my some of the dishes I think are inspired by real dishes. Um, my favorite, I love you know, cookies and, and cupcakes, but my grandmother always used to make a pineapple upside down cake. That was just like, she always had one. So in our first episode, Alice uses uh, pineapple, pineapple upside down powder. And so that was like my little nod to my grandmother in a way. So. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be, I, I would love to have a slice of unbirthday cakes. <laughs> I imagine it tastes really good. <laughs> we need a we need a cookbook to come out here. <laughs> you got that. So, what do you hope that kids and families take away from this show? I hope that the show inspires curiosity, and you know, because Alice is such a a curious ca character. She's fearless. She loves to explore and ask questions. She's always trying to find out the why, even in this, in the middle of this wacky world, like Wonderland, you know, she always says curiouser and curiouser. So I hope kids take that quality from Alice, um, you know, from the show. And then of course, baking, you know, baking with their families and wanting that bonding time. I, I, I would definitely be remiss if I didn't talk about your talented kid cast. Um, what would you like casting some of those integral parts of this series? It was it was great. Um, we we did all the auditions, you know, remotely, and some of our kids aren't even in LA. It's kind of the beauty of doing you know, it's one of the silver linings of working like this through the pandemic. Um, most of our kids, they are 11 years old. They can sing and act. And, you know, we wanted to find kids who could do the quirky zaniness to understand the fun Wonderland wordplay, but also have singing chops and that sweetness, um, that vulnerability to, for instance, uh, Fergie, our white rabbit is, you know, panicky and frantic, but he's also so sweet and loyal. So just finding those qualities in our kids and, and Libby Rue, who voices Alice is such a smart, she's such a smart cookie. You know, she comes in and she just gives us these reads that just make us laugh. So she's, she gives Alice a nice new quirk, I think. I, I, and the, the thing I have to say here is that the person that edits this podcast is was Libby's voice voice acting coach and helped, oh, wow. helped her get the audition for this. Oh, that's cool. Wow, that's awesome. So, <laughs> 
That's great. Yeah, we love Libby. She's very talented. Like I said, she just brings such a warmth and acuteness and just a new life to, you know, this this new current modern Alice. And what's cool to me is that this show is kind of self-aware and there are these little like self-referential stuff that kids won't get but adults will which i think Mm -hmm. is great yeah like our goal is is to never have like a script that is just completely over a kid's head we want (laughs) kids to enjoy that part of the story to laugh at the physicality of the characters or you know their their voices or their their you know the rabbit ears, you know, Fergie has so many cute quirks and everything. But um, yeah, I think really just connecting to that, to them on a, on, from a character level. And then, yeah, parents will enjoy little Easter eggs from the movie. Yeah, we love to hide like little Easter eggs from the movie. We're constantly watching the movie and discussing different things. And we snuck so many snuck is probably not the right word, but we put so many uh, of the told you would characters and, and like the cards and there's so many different things. And even some of our uh, board artists have been inspired by scenes from the movie for like the tea party and stuff like that. So we, we try to have as much fun for the adults to sort of, you know, when they go to watch the film with their kids, there's a lot, there's a familiarity there. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for people to see this. And thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Down the rabbit hole to Wonderland, I found this place. Spices sing and butterflies, a new world to embrace. Nothing here is impossible, so stir and swirl That theme song you just heard was written by our next interviewee for this fun special, John Cavanaugh. We talked with him about the stylistic choices for the series, working with Broadway legends, and much more. So, John, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm again. I'm thrilled to meet you. Thrilled to meet you too. So, quick, quick thing right off the bat: is writing a, is writing a theme song intimidating for a show? I think that's an excellent question. And yes, you want to. I think we do spend a little time, you know, making sure it captures the magic of the of the show. In, in its entirety, as opposed to just a small moment um, for a song in a specific episode. Um, 
And so, and we know it's going to live on and play every, every time the series is aired. So certainly we, we want to make sure that it's catchy and that it captures the essence of, you know, the show in its entirety, I guess. So sure. So what are the do's and don'ts of writing a theme song as far instead of like an episodic, like what do you want to make sure that is in there? And what things do you stay away from? Um, I, I don't really probably think of it that way. I just probably try to bring my A game and, uh, and make sure that it's catchy and hummable and memorable. Um, in this case, Chelsea delivered a fantastic lyric to me. And so I was able to sit down and, and uh, uh, I do think to your point, the theme song gives us a chance to define kind of the music vocabulary that we want to start with. You know, we're always going to expand as the season progresses to various musical styles, but we want to sort of set the tone. So um, I think with Chelsea's fantastic lyric, um, you know, we, we went back and forth a few times, but I think we were pretty close right off the bat. So uh, everyone seemed happy with it. And, and uh, so we're off. So what stylistically, what stylistically is the palette for the show? Um, that's a great question. I think we started off uh, with an acknowledgement of the history of the music in the 50s. And uh, I think we wanted to, to use that as our launching point. But um, I think it's contemporary at times, but we also are, are very excited about exploring all the different musical genres as, as the specific episodes require. Like for example, uh, Cookie might go down to the beach and so we do sort of a surfer tune or, you know, or the, um, we have, as you I'm sure know, we have um, Eden Espinosa and John Cicada who are the queen of hearts and her father, the king of hearts. And so we're able to um, explore so many uh, Cuban uh, different musical styles from Cuba and uh, because they're sort of uh, inspired by the Cuban culture. And so throughout the, throughout the season, we'll, we're not afraid to go in other directions as required. Um, so I think that's probably the most exciting thing. It's, uh, there's so much to, to play with. You know, the world is our, is our oyster, so to speak. So what is it like sort of like recording the cast in the middle of a pandemic? Gosh, we have good questions. I have to say um, it was a little intimidating at first, but quickly, very quickly, we figured it out. Uh, the kids, are, the cast, all of them are just so terrific. And everyone has such a good attitude. And the team of engineers um, that Disney has assembled to make this happen is extraordinary. And uh, we just get down to business and, you know, they come prepared and we, I think we've all adapted pretty quickly. Um, I would much prefer being in person uh, because of the interaction face-to-face, -face, as you can imagine, is so much more uh, rewarding and immediate. Uh, but, but I have no complaints. I think we've got great stuff. Um, so that's really all you could ask for, I guess, right? Yeah, you've had quite the opportunity to work with some wonderful people throughout your career, but 
this show specifically, you've got, um, for lack of a better term, Broadway royalty. Yeah. Um, tell me a bit about those recording sessions. Well, um, I think that I, that's another huge highlight for me and huge pleasure to work with these people, many of which of whom I know or have worked with in the past, but to work with Manny Gonzalez, who comes in, she plays the uh, Mother Rose. Uh, and, you know, they come in so prepared and and uh, and they bring so much to the table musically that I it's just so joyful to be a part of it, to watch them do their thing. You know, Eden Espinosa, as I said, and uh, uh, gosh, Ali Stroker and uh, gosh, there's just so many. Uh, James Monroe Inglehart, Inglehart, sorry, gosh, I know, how to, I know how to pronounce his name. Uh, but we've had a, you know, it's so uh, joyful to see people who are so comfortable singing just attack, you know, attack the the material with such gusto and such professionalism. So, I'm, I'm again, I'm so honored to work with these people. So here's a bit of a deeper question. If you want to get into it, you can. If you don't, we can just skip over it. There's a certain kind of feeling that when people do a kid show, they feel like they have to act a certain way or sing a certain way or kind of deliver it a certain way. Like, what do you tell people when they have that in their head, if they have it in their head? Um, well, I've never really had to um, probably come across that maybe for several reasons. One reason is by the time we record the song, Bob, they've already worked with Chelsea in this case, or Craig Gerber um, for Elena and Sophia. Um, so by the time they get to the music, they're pretty familiar with what we're after and the type of, of show we're creating. And um, I think one thing kind of related to that is we try not to, um, write down musically to the kids yeah. and try to write great music and great songs that are memorable and catchy, like I said. And, uh, and I think people respond to that, you know, without, without trying to oversimplify anything. Um, we just try to write the best piece of music that we can. So how many demos did you go through of the theme song? Because that's a lot. I don't think, I don't think we did a lot for this one. Uh, a couple, maybe, you know, and then and then um, as we produce the track in its entirety with live musicians and we record the talent, uh, there'll be, you know, there's a process involved. But we uh, I think Chelsea and I sort of were pretty close uh, quickly and we might have made a few adjustments, I'm sure. But um, it it wasn't painful, I don't think. I think it was pretty fun. Yeah. What are you most proudest of with the show and the message that it's bringing? And with that, the music that corresponds with the messages? Well, I think uh, I, I think what what they've created and what and what gets handed to me is so full of of compassion and tenderness and friendship. And it's so positive that I, I feel like the songs uh, reflect that. And I think they're fun and clever 
and uh, and I just think they represent the show, the themes of the show, with the with the friendship of these characters, and and again, Alice is just so positive and so warm and so and such a lovely character to write for, and that goes for all the characters in the cast. So I just feel like it's such a a a a pleasure to work on something with such, you know, delightful messaging and delightful lessons to be learned. Now I asked Chelsea and Frank this, and I want to pass it over to you. So, you know, Alice has a bakery and what is your favorite dessert? <laughs> well, actually there's a Cuban dessert the, uh, because my in-laws are from Cuba and there's a Cuban dessert called Tres Leches. It's actually, I think, created in Dominican Republic, maybe. Maybe there's some um, argument about that amongst the Latino community, in the Latino community, but um, all my Cuban relatives love Tres Leches. It means three milks. And uh, it's it's probably my favorite dessert. Um, and we try not to make it too much or I wouldn't fit into my, uh, my clothes any longer, but... Um, that's definitely right up there. And I, and I, you know, because that's such a unique answer. Everybody could have a different answer. And I think with the sort of, when I first heard the music for the show, I thought, because I'm pretty good at picking things out and knowing who wrote what. And I'm like, it sounds in the same world as Sophia, and it was, so, um... Well, wonderful. It's, you know, it's such a familiar, yet new sort of vibe. Wonderful. It's really nice to hear this new stuff. Oh, well, thank you so much. It means the world. We hope, um, we hope people enjoy it, that's for sure. So, so what, because to wrap this up, we have to get a little bit nerdy for one <laughs> second. Um, what is your, what is your home studio rig like? That's <laughs> actually uh, very bare bones. I work on digital performer. Um, I, I record everything out of the box, you know, strings and, and synth and piano bass drums, etc. It's very, uh, very simple and then once we get a song approved uh we we get it ready for the talent to record and then we're off and running in the studio with live musicians and uh again Matt, matthew margison who writes the score adds his magic on top and uh in the time of covid we actually send especially the the cuban uh uh, inspired uh, music we have to send it out for like the percussion guy to do authentic uh, percussion for us and he does that in his home studio so we sort of all build it together in pieces and then we have this ama amazing uh engineer mixer uh gabe moffitt who puts it all together for us and makes it sound like we were so, all so is a lot of it like stem or like yes 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 that might be a lot of like transferring back and forth but it's worthwhile <laughs> yes yes definitely definitely but then it all comes together magically yeah. yeah. And there we go. So thank you so much for chatting with me today. Because a lot of people don't 
like, get to hear the behind-the-scenes stuff about the music of these shows. And so, what is a common misconception that you get when people hear that you do kids music or stuff for kids TV? Because there's a lot of, like, you know what I'm saying? I think so. I think um, if they haven't heard uh, anything that I've been working on and, and a lot of the other shows are the same at Disney Junior, I think if they if they remember maybe some of the music when when we were children, they might have they might have this idea that it's going to be a little simpler and a little um, I, I don't written written maybe down to the sort of condescending yeah yes and we and we don't do that so i think maybe that might be one misconception i i really yeah i'm not no because i think a lot of people think of it as like tim pan alley sort of like that sort of pukey sort of thing but we're past that right right (laughs) um but thank you so much for joining us today and i can't wait for people to watch this show. I can't either. And it's my pleasure. And again, it's so nice to meet you. And I hope we could talk again soon. I would love that. Thank you. That wraps up our quick look inside the making of Disney Junior's new series, Alice's Wonderland Bakery. But don't worry, you too can visit Alice and her friends starting February 9th at 10.30 a.m. on Disney Junior. Thank you, Chelsea and Frank and John, for the chat. This looks to be an incredible series. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present.